0: Zwift has group rides for all levels with a ride approximately every 30 minutes you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level group rides stay together behind a leader, they enjoy friendly banter a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing just like rides in the real world except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind, check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today
1: Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet, and I'm your host for this episode. And this week, we have a special guest. But before we uh, reach to him, uh, let me remind you that you are able to uh, download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, suncloudcom slash cyclingcentral, from our website, sbs.com.au slash central or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift uh, joining me As a co-host, today is the great Pat Show. Hi Pat, how are you?
2: Yes, it's great to be (laughs) here and we are very privileged actually
3: to have...
1: uh... Court, professional rider for Trek Segafredo, teammate of uh, Contador for this season. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Good to be here. You've
1: been with us uh, on the telephone, but today you are here physically in our studio in Australia. Uh, so welcome to Australia. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> I believe it's a country you like particularly.
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been coming to Australia already for uh, quite a long time. Back in 2005, it was my first time here in the country. Uh, My uh, teammates at the time, Aaron Camps and Alan Davis, uh, they uh, convinced me to spend an off-season in Bundaberg. Okay. Well, how uh, was that? uh, (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Um, I... uh, I liked the I liked the cycling scene there. It was a uh, it was a good cycling scene. Uh, obviously, some really good riders coming out of there, and it it was nice to uh, to spend a few off seasons there. And then uh, I found love in Melbourne, and okay. uh, I eventually married. Uh, That's another why you here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had a, a brilliant year with, with uh, Trek. We spoke to you, as I said, uh, when um, Alberto Contador retired at the Vuelta, but uh, we're going to have to talk about this again. That was such an amazing moment to see in front of our screens how was it for you physically to do some, so much work for him and then to see how much the, the, the Spanish population, the Spanish crowd was just behind him.
3: Yeah, it, it was really uh, unbelievable how it, how it all happened there I mean, we knew that uh, Alberto was going to be good and, and that it was going to be his last race so we all expected something special and, uh, and to see a lot of uh, people crazy uh, for, for supporting him and uh, crazy for him on the side of the road. Uh, but uh yeah, it definitely exceeded all our expectations and we uh, we needed basically four or five. A policeman uh, at the bus because otherwise it was just not possible. They were pushing over barriers, uh, pushing over our bikes even. If, <laughs> every time Alberto <laughs> went out a bus, it was uh, a, a noise like in a stadium, and it, it was absolutely insane.
1: I must say that uh, Pat knows this, but that's the first time I've followed the Vuelta from start to finish. Uh, mm-hmm. I was impressed by how crazy the crowd can be compared to the Tour de France. Well, and the
2: emotion too is just mm. emphatic. The Spanish fans, particularly for their their domestic riders, so uh, obviously obviously Valverde and um but Contador being his last race. And you could feel that emotion in the race and particularly on the final day in Madrid where he was waving good, you know, basically bye to the to the, the spectators and the and the fans of cycling, not just exclusively the Spanish fans because we know Contador has such a great following, including myself. I, was, I had my cards on him to get the podium in Madrid and just fell short. But what's it feel to be part of it? Because I know that uh, you've got a special relationship with uh, Contador since coming to and it must be great to have shared his final race.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my work in the the past few years has always been for a sprinter, so what I've been doing is is mostly uh, lead-outs for sprinters or or in the classics. Uh, I've worked, obviously, with Tom Dumoulin before, so I've done some, uh, some work for a GC rider. But this was the first time uh, this year in the Tour de France that I really got to, to work with a uh, with a big GC uh, captain like uh, Alberto, and it uh, it was interesting. I had to get used to it a little bit, you know. Uh, I was uh, accelerating way too fast out of the corners, so, you know that sort of stuff. He, <laughs> it, it takes uh, it takes a little bit of time for these sprinters to uh, to get up to speed. Uh, but obviously, going uphill, uh, yeah, I can go as fast as I want, and he's still, <laughs> still not uh, easy. Quick <laughs> So it, it took a little bit of time, but then once we got to, uh, to the Welt, I, I really got used to the role, and uh, and Alberto got used to me, and uh, I think uh, the communication went really well. Um, he often told me what his plan was for the stage, and uh, and then I made sure that all the other riders on the team knew the plan and uh, and knew what they had to do. And I think in the end, it was it was really good to be there and to race with him, and and for sure to have for him to have that sort of confidence in me was was really special.
1: Can you tell us about uh, how that decision was taken for him to, to retire? Because we, at the Tour de France, there, I, I was there. There was this rumour that, oh, Alberto signed for another year. He's going to go for another year. Maybe last Vuelta, maybe not the Tour de France. There were a lot of rumours going on. And then this dropped that it was going to be his last tour. So how did that, I mean, do, were you in, involved? There was some discussion as part of the whole team?
3: Uh, no, actually, I was quite surprised when I heard that he was going to retire. Uh, to be honest, I also thought he was going to do another year. That that rumor obviously also got to me, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I did notice that during the tour uh, he he had a couple of crashes, and and he was he was pretty down after that. He was feeling really good before the tour. He said he was getting really good values uh, on his power meter. But then uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. And, and I had the feeling that for him, that that was uh, a moment where he thought, OK, I've, for years I've been working so hard. And first I had a team where not, a, not all my teammates were on the same page and especially the management were, wasn't really behind him. And uh, now he was finally on a team where, where he was the leader and everyone was working for him. But then he had a few crashes and it just all wasn't working out and wasn't going his way. So I think then after the tour, he took that decision and, um, when I heard it, is when everyone else heard it. So uh, it, I actually have to say that uh, was surprising for me.
2: Quite Absolutely. fascinating, really, because he's such a fighter, and that's yeah. what is his best characteristic to the fans at home. But at some point, the resistance that's going against you, everyone says, enough's enough." And uh, Do you know, the- uh,
1: when I was at the t- tour, when I was at the tour, I spoke to um, Vaucler as well about it, and then you 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 went through his mind going the Tour de France is starting pretty much on your doorstep next year. Why are you quitting this year? And he said, you know what, when you've taken the decision in your head, you've taken the decision in your head and then that's finished.
2: Yeah, and and look, they don't owe anything to the sport. You know, they've given everything. And at some point, uh, as far as their careers, they've probably been somewhat selfish in in certain ways, but... Uh, when they end their career, they need to be selfish for themselves and think about their future and also their, their health as well because mm. it's only so long you can continue to have these severe crashes because Alberto in the past three has had some real rippers before that not too much but in the last three years so it's it's crazy but could uh, how does now having that support role with uh contador gc rider do you think that helps you in your career as well because now you're not sort of that single arm lead out man that's your thing and classics now you've actually had that experience it's a bit like going and doing a new apprenticeship
3: yeah no absolutely um i already had a bit of the feeling going to track uh segafredo from from giant that i had to prove myself again because of Obviously, I was such a long time with the same team for eight years uh, in that team. They all knew what I, what I could do. And it, it was more a bit of being in a team, being uh, sort of comfortable. And uh, But I still wanted to show uh, the rest of the world, like more people, what I can do. And then going to another team where I had to convince all the directors or the other writers of my worth and... Um, in the beginning, uh, I feel like the team really had the idea like, um, oh, uh, Kun is coming along as a, as a mate of John Dagenkorp, but they're, they're coming uh, together and, uh, and we'll see, you know, how we can use him. But I think pretty quickly, I, I convinced them that, uh, that I can do more than, uh, being a good mate of one rider and, and doing a lead out here or there and and actually i surprised myself it gave me a lot of motivation to work extra hard and and to do even more for the for the sport but also for the team and uh, and as you said not just for the classics or the sprints but also for gc riders and uh, it seems that the team's really happy and and i'm definitely happy with how the season went
2: yeah well 95 95- Race days by the end of the season, probably, or close there too. 95, Pro- I think, yes. Yeah, it'll speak pretty big <laughs> volumes of uh, that you've had a great year and obviously have uh, looked after yourself with your physique and health as well.
1: If you had one highlight, and it can't be the uh, anything else but, uh, about anybody else, or so no Contador, yourself, one highlight of your season?
3: Um it's, it's a difficult one, there's a few uh, uh, good moments, but I have to say one highlight, it's just, uh, stage 19 in the Vuelta, um, Alberto uh, Contador came up to me at the start, and uh, yeah, there was a breakaway with two riders from our team in, the, in there, and uh, he said to me, okay Kun, I want to uh, jump across on the, on the last climb. So when we start on the climb, you go full gas and you ride until you die. Actually, okay. uh, <laughs> <and>, you didn't <laughs> die. <but laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't literally die, but uh, I felt like it uh, at one point. So, uh, we started the climb and I just did a lead out like I normally do for a sprint. And uh, somehow Alberto was still on my wheel. <laughs> and then he continued the rest of the climb. We had one, one of our t- teammates, uh, Edward Tones-Wade, and... Uh, Eventually, it it didn't uh, it didn't work out in the sense of um, Alberto taking time. But for me personally, to have that kind of uh, respect and and trust from uh, from a leader like uh, Contador, and and then being able to execute exactly what he asked of me, I think that was for me a highlight of the season.
1: Okay, one of the last uh, legendary race of the season is Lombardia. Uh, you've raced Lombardia. How was it for you?
3: Yeah, it was actually the uh, first and hopefully only race in the season I didn't finish. So uh, <laughs> it, um, I actually I had pretty good legs, but it is a very hard race. And, but was uh, it planned? Yeah, it, it was planned. Um,
1: yeah. Don't reveal all your secrets, but it was planned. <laughs> yeah,
3: it was planned. I mean, uh, I've had a really long season and uh, the team uh, said to me that uh, I wasn't going to race uh, in Lombardia anymore. And I kept insisting that I really wanted to go. Uh, so they said, all right, you're allowed to go. You're just working for the team. When you've done your job, you're done, and and, and you get off the bike. Um, we, I think we did as a team a pretty good race there. We had Bauke Mollema as the leader. One point after a descent uh, pretty early on before the Madonna del Gisaldo, it, uh, it split, and uh, we were maybe 30 guys in the first group, and Bauke said, okay, uh, it split, right, full gas, so... I just rode uh, into the bottom of uh, of Gisalo, uh as hard as I could and uh, straight away got dropped and turned off and took the shortest way to Como. Okay. Oh.
2: It is great, though, that the team has obviously wanted to preserve you because they've now obviously put you right up their food chain. They know that you're going to play a pivotal role going into next season. And particularly, uh, Christoph with the Grand Tour teams coming shrinking in size down to eight riders, it's going to be critical to have a rider like Kun who can perform a lead out but also help in the uh, harder stages for a GC rider. So it's a really important skill to for all riders to start to craft themselves now that that uh, Grand Tour team size is shrinking
1: absolutely uh, how did you um see all those uh, this, this this incredible crash that happened at lombardia i mean from from a, a, a professional rider a point of view uh that's scary enough for you for us yeah it must be scary enough for you as well to yeah
3: see yeah absolutely um uh, by by that time i was already out of the race i didn't actually see the crash um when i got to the bus it had already happened uh, but uh, yeah, they, I think they showed uh, replay about uh, sixty-six times. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, I did. I did get to see it. It was uh, it was definitely scary. It's one of those turns uh, where you, know, you go full gas. You you think it's an easy corner, and all of a sudden it turns on itself. Uh, and you got you've got nowhere to go. It's and that road is uh particularly dangerous with uh with a lot of uh of of uh turns that really turn on themselves and uh and lots of barriers and everything and unfortunately there's there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um I do think that maybe it would have been good for uh maybe a, a motorbike or something to stop there and tell the riders to slow down a little bit. Uh maybe have a little bit more security around there, but Eventually crashes will happen anyway. Uh, but uh this was a uh, was a bad one. What
2: what aspect do you think uh, the actual race plays? If it was uh, just a low-level race, do you think the riders would take the risk? Or is it because it's in Lombardia and they're thinking, you know, there's a big result on, on the line here, they're saying I can really achieve. Is that what pushes those riders maybe beyond the limit just that little bit? Because normally in Lombardia, we don't see those errors because of the, the teams do such good recon. But it's seen this year a fair few come unstuck
3: yeah absolutely I, I think it is a bit of a difference uh you know the the world tour is really important, and a lot of teams are looking for a couple of extra points to uh to keep the position on the ranking or to uh to go one up so th- there there is definitely a little bit more at stake than uh than in a smaller race on the other hand, all races are important now, and you see guys taking risks everywhere um a big result in in any race is worth a lot now and And as you were saying before, the teams are shrinking, and a lot of guys are counting that you know eventually there's going to be less riders on the team. So uh, you need to show something to to stay on the team, and and that means a few riders still don't have a job for next year, and and they also still want to show themselves. So you've you've got a lot of uh, things at play, and uh, and for sure when you get to the end of the season, there there are some guys that uh, that take a little bit more risk than than normal.
1: Okay, Uh, we must uh, say that uh, Nibali won uh, Lombardia, Uh, second is Alaphilippe and uh, Moscon finished third for Lombardia.
2: And uh, Moscon is the first rider in the history of cycling to do all five monuments and finish.
1: Well, that's a fact. That is a fact and also
2: <laughs> uh, he, he pulled off a few other spectacular things this year <laughs> that he won't be so much liked for but he's definitely uh, the rider for the future and probably uh, the first Italian for quite a while to uh, take out Paris-Roubaix sometime in the future.
1: Hey, do you guys think that uh, we are at a pivotal, pivotal time in cycling at the minute? That there's a whole generation that has moved on like Contador but we had Tom Bunen that retired. There's a lot of bigger riders that are all retired. Are we seeing a new generation? Is that a pivotal time?
3: Yeah, I think it started a few years ago um, where uh, riders that I think are going to Really, win a lot of races like Tom Dumoulin. Uh, uh, he he is already obviously at the top for for a few years now. You're not patriotic at all. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's also a good mate of mine. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's there's definitely some some young guys coming through. Uh, with uh, Ale Philippe is also already been there for for a couple of years. And and these guys are definitely going to start winning the big races. Uh, Tom now already has, but I'm sure Ale will uh, within uh, within a few years also win. A lot of the big races, and then you get indeed riders like Moscon and and some more super talents that are here are coming over from uh from the under twenty three category. So I think uh within a few years uh you know Val- Valverde will be gone as well who has uh, always been one of the the main riders and and there will be guys that that take their uh their place.
2: I think the exciting thing is that these new riders we talk about, Alain Philippe Dumoulin, these guys are exciting and entertaining in their own way, not similar really to what Contador would do, which is like the Hail Mary style attacks, but uh, very exciting riders all the same. And uh, I think that's the important thing. The key is that we continue to entertain the fans that are behind the television sets because that's going to make cycling successful uh, as an ecosystem.
1: Absolutely. I will take a short break and then when we come back, we'll uh, try to understand why uh, Court is here. It's not just love.
0: So if you're into Zwift or even curious about it, check out Zwift Community Live on Facebook. Those guys, they're incredible. They live stream races, group rides and commentate in real time across all the action. They also have previews for courses or Grand Fondos, E-Fondos, as it is on Zwift, that are super helpful so you can see what you'll be riding in full detail. Nathan Guira really brings all the action to life and I've got to tell you some of those live streams can be as exciting as real pro races. Check it out for yourself at Zwift Community Live on Facebook. Uh,
1: welcome back to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, we're still here with Pat and Kun de Court. I said before uh, the break, Kuhn you're here uh, for love because you uh, you met love here, uh, but not just love. Uh, you're doing the Melbourne to uh, Rome bull. Yep. Why?
3: <laughs> uh, yes, a good question. A lot of people are asking me that um i'm I'm essentially doing a two hundred eighty kilometer race for fun yeah <laughs> um so it it was actually uh, we we were trying to work out uh, Caitlin my wife and I when we would be able to return to Australia uh, I've still got one race for the team to go in Japan the Japan Cup uh, that's uh uh next week uh, so um I was just uh, trying to uh, to figure out when we could come over and it was just that one one and a half week window that we managed to go to to Australia and uh, as I was talking to a few of my mates saying I like, oh, you know I'll be back in Australia this week uh they said, oh, you know what, it's, it's Melbourne to Warrnambool on that, that weekend. <laughs> did you have to
1: Google it or did you know all about this race?
3: Uh, actually, because I've been coming to Australia so often, uh, I definitely heard about it. Everybody <laughs> talks about the Melbourne to Warrnambool. It's, it is like this, uh, this holy race, you know, the, the special one in Australia. And um, it, it, was, it was certainly on my bucket list. One day I wanted to do the Melbourne to Warrnambool. You just won the T-shirt. You, that's you just want it's a medallion. You a medallion. <laughs> yeah, you
1: get
2: a medallion. I want the medallion. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, I think you got a very good chance of taking home more than just a medallion. But uh, it does excite as a really good race this year, and a lot must be said about Cycling Victoria that's taking it on to make sure that Absolutely. the event went ahead. And I've got to tip my hat to Karen Jones as well because she's uh, done a lot of the logistical side to make it happen. But We've got an exciting uh, Melbourne and this year. Last year, the breakaway went out to 20 minutes before we tried to catch from behind. Uh, you said it was, we because you were Yeah, riding. well, I was in that back group, and that's not where you <laughs> want to be. You don't want to be 20 minutes. Um, and it was still a very exciting race. But this year, it just seems like with the National Road Series kicking off a little bit later, so it started early, then they had a mid-season break, and then now the real uh, heart of the season's taking place, most of those riders are in really good condition, and uh, particularly because now Australian cycling has more Continental teams, uh, had the exposure to longer racing in Asia. Um, I reckon we're going to have a really exciting finish to the race, and um, I've, I'm privileged to be able to commentate the finish, but also travel behind a bunch. So hopefully it is animated. I don't want to be 280 kilometres uh, as a group uh, <laughs> compato.
3: Yeah, I I hope it's still going to be a little bit easier on the motorbike behind than (laughs) than it is (laughs) on the bike itself. Well, it should be because it's one hell
2: of a race. And uh, and I've spoken to Kun before and uh, you before the show today, Christoph, and uh, I said about how the race... It, it really, you find a lot out about yourself as a rider. Uh, some riders may be very, you know, thereabouts in the National Road Series, but they cl- click over 200 kilometres an hour. They may find out something really new about themselves, that they've got this uh, capability of riding long distances. And um, you really do see talent unearthed in this race, but you've got to have uh, a bit of balls, as they say, to tackle it, because 280 k is no mean feat, and it uh, doesn't matter what level it's at, 280 k's takes a long time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I noticed it as well in in the races that I do. All the big classics are all over 200 kilometers. The World Championships. Uh, obviously, we have one 280 kilometer race in the season as well with Milan San Remo, and um, even in Milan San Remo, I guess it it is fairly similar, where it is very flat, maybe a little bit windy in the beginning, and then uh, at the end a little bit lumpy. I mean, these these hills uh, that we have in Milan San Remo, they don't really mean anything if you go there and you ride up the Poggio. You really think is is this it? But after two hundred seventy-five kilometers, uh, you do you do one sprint and uh, and that's it. You're done for the for the rest of the day. You you can't do anything anymore. And and there's definitely the difference. If you get over these two hundred kilometers, uh, you you don't have uh, a lot of bullets left.
1: Okay, and how exciting must that be for the all the other riders that know someone like Kuhn would be here? They must be, uh, yeah, buzzing on the fact that they will be riding with someone like Kuhn.
2: Well, it's exciting to be riding with him. It's also exciting to have the challenge to to possibly beat him. Now, it's not to that's say, that, yeah, it's not to say <laughs> that yeah, it's not to say that this is uh, 100% Kuhn's goal. But for a rider that wins this na- uh, Melbourne Autumn Ball, albeit if it's not Kun we'll uh, be able to put that behind that victory as well. Already, it is hail, it's, the, uh, it's the holy grail for, for Australian domestic cyclists to win this bike race. And uh, to do it with uh, such company would be uh, a, an even bigger highlight because in the past, the Europeans used to come out, but not so much now. And um, so not only for the riders, but definitely for the event organisers, it, it's huge coup to have uh, Kun uh, taking part in this uh, year's edition.
1: It's a bit like uh, at the Tour de France when our podcast has beaten Lance Armstrong's podcast, you know, that was like, yeah. Yeah, We've well, co- it. Bucket, yes. bucket, Talk about
2: the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, talk about a bucket list item. That's one
1: right there. <laughs> what, what's your target on the on the race? Have fun and then yes. po- potentially win it.
3: Well, I definitely want to have fun. I, as I said, I just really wanted to race it one day. Uh, it seems like it should be good weather, so uh, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to enjoy it. And I haven't won a lot of races uh, in, in in my whole career, so I'm definitely not expecting to win the race. Um, I'm just going to gonna see what I can do, have some fun, but uh, I'll certainly give it a crack.
1: Okay, we wish you best of luck and you'll be commentating. Uh, I'm in-
2: extremely excited about it. i have already picturing the last th- 35 kilometers. But, uh, those I can, that, I can th- see it in your eyes. But yours. those <laughs> are, that are looking at the weather report, you know the, the weather itself from the sky is going to be nice, but light winds, I've never heard of light winds uh, in that open uh, country. But uh, the duchy to my left uh, will love a little (laughs) bit of side wind coming across the front hub.
3: Absolutely. Uh, I grew up with that uh, open uh, country, uh, lots of wind. It's my my kind of racing. Absolutely.
1: Uh, In other news, and just to conclude this podcast, uh, we've got a tour of Turkey uh, going on. It's actually streaming on the uh, SBS Cycling Central website. It's free, so you should watch it because it's very interesting uh, and very interesting because there's some uh, record-breaking happening at the tour of Turkey.
2: Well, yes, for 2017, Sammy B or Sam Bennett, uh, from Bora Hunsgrohe, he is the only rider this year to win three straight stages in a World Tour event, albeit just four World Tour teams taking part in Tour of Turkey, but it's always an entertaining race. And probably the reason that he's getting these victories is that the uh, flying mullet from uh, from uh, New Zealand is back after a bit of a delay and he's with injury all year. And it uh, looks like he's hitting the ground running. That's uh, Shane Archibald, and his leadouts outs have been phenomenal this week in Turkey. So I know there's not a lot of World Tour teams there, but uh looks like he's secured a contract, I think, with uh, these last few days of the season. And we were talking about that earlier. It's also vital, your your uh, efforts towards the end of the season when uh, those spots are really getting down to one or two spots remaining.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane's a great guy as well. I uh, I see him around in, uh, in Girona where I spend some time and uh, he's had a really, really rough season. Uh, basically, no season so far. So, uh, I'm glad he's back, and uh, it was good to see him do a couple of good lead outs. But uh, I think uh, it's now time to uh, let uh, that guy that keeps finishing second win one stage. Uh, uh, my uh, team, my <laughs> team, my <have> tones.
1: <laughs> uh, since we were last on air, also uh, relatively big news: Rachel Nalen is moving to Movistar. That's that's a great move for her.
2: Great move for them as well. They can't just yeah. have Spanish riders on their team. It's going to struggle to expose the team. But um, it's great. It's a great opportunity for her too. She's an experienced rider. She'll have a leadership role there. Maybe not as in going for victories, but definitely as a captain on the road. Um, and I think it's a fantastic move for her to move outside of uh, a system which has been a little bit of a, a sort of a comfort blanket for her at uh, Orica Scott. Uh,
1: women cycling in uh, the Netherlands is huge. Uh, you've had some amazing su- success. Do you do you mingle with uh, with those riders?
3: Um, oh, we we do see them occasionally, but not too often. Um, I have to say, with uh, with Giant now Sunwrap they did that really well, where the men and women team are together for uh, the team camps and, uh, and and team presentations and that sort of stuff. Uh with my track segue team, uh, that's not the case. We don't have a women's team, uh, at the moment. Who knows that might change in the next few years. Uh, but, um, of course, I, I see, uh, the, the girls at the world championships and the European championships where we are staying at, uh, at the same hotel and, uh, and talk to these girls and, um yeah I think in, in the Netherlands obviously they do a great job uh with uh, Marianne Voster still winning races but not as dominant anymore as she used to be uh it's good to see that uh that there are some uh, some girls coming up who can do uh a really good job as well, and uh, and win a lot of races.
1: Was it uh, party time in uh, the Dutch camp in the World Championship when uh, the women won the World Championship?
3: Uh, I, I've heard that there was a pretty big party for them. Uh, <laughs> not for you guys, of course. <laughs> no, not for us. Uh, well, it, it was. Uh, we we did have a, a few drinks on uh, Sunday night. I have to say though, uh, in Norway, uh, it's extremely expensive to go and have a drink. But uh, we we still had a few, and uh, and there were actually a couple of girls that were still there. And um, yeah, they they came with us, so it was actually quite nice. There's definitely good vibe in the Dutch team there.
1: As, yeah, as a nation, you've done amazingly well.
3: Yeah, just uh, just the road race uh, where uh, where I was in, uh, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, the race was really good. Just the result. Yeah. Um, two guys in the first group and uh, they decided not to sprint, so it yeah. was,
1: uh, was interesting. <laughs> big big shout out to my best mate, uh, Johan van Verpen, he's a big fan of you, he's uh, from Netherlands as well. So uh, Great. Uh, he loved it. Uh, last, uh, actually not last, uh, one but last uh, news, uh, Cycling Australia has been formalized, uh, there's a push towards the track uh, despite the push towards the, the road
2: formalised is a great way to put yep. it because we all <laughs> knew that it was coming and, and look, this is the direction in which uh, the people that have been elected or uh, employed to make the decisions have made, so we need to just hope that it's the the right one
1: Namely, uh, Jones?
2: Well Simon Jones, he's mm-hmm. got his directive as well and Nick Green, Nick Green has oh, been yeah. elected to, to, to fulfil that uh, role uh, and uh, will it be the right decision? Well, it, it probably will win gold medals and does it uh, reflect uh, how the members of cycling australia want it to well we're not quite sure there's a lot of people that are questioning that but i don't question the other things that are going on in the background there's a lot of things domestically that are really healthy for cycling and uh, and hopefully we'll hear about those things as well very soon and also they should reflect well on the overall project
1: when you say very soon we're talking uh, commonwealth games coming so well, do you think this is where we're going to or we expect to see some results? I think we 've already
2: seen the effect of this plan in the previous three to four months anyways, and particularly leading into the road world championships, which we had the obvious uh, controversy of the selection of less uh, women for the women 's team than the spots that were, had been earned. but uh, I think uh, by the time we go through our national championships in the summer we 'll have a better idea of what road cycling for cycling Australia uh, entails as well and and maybe that in in fact Even though it is towards the track, this this vision, it could reflect positively on all aspects of cycling.
1: Absolutely. And one last news. We're going to finish on a very positive note. Uh, Peter Sagan will be here for the Tour Down Under again, I would say. Uh, I was excited when I read that news. Um, I guess you probably were as well, because that's an amazing news for the Tour Down Under for Australia.
2: Well, and cycling in the summer in Australia. So we already have such an amazing uh, calendar of events. And this just shows that the riders of the highest caliber are wanting to come out here. They enjoy the sunshine. Peter, he enjoys also a little bit of the wildlife I've seen in the past. He, mm-hmm. he really gets into the mood of it and I think that's what's great about it. Albeit the investment that it costs to probably get him out of here, he gives back just as much. There's so, an
1: amazing photo with uh, Catherine. Catherine, our producer, Catherine Willen uh, She bumped into him with a dog and there's a photo of him and, and Catherine and the dog just bumping in the street of Sydney. With a little whippet. Exactly. That's right. <laughs>
2: yeah, and, and Coulin, you've seen the effect that uh, Sagan has on, on races and uh, um, mainly from a, a fan's perspective uh he really does bring up the level of cycling ex- exposure
3: yeah absolutely He is definitely a, a cycling superstar and uh the kind of personality uh that i think is really good for cycling uh, uh obviously uh, now and then has his uh controversy in the in the races uh, he got thrown out of the tour de france for instance but uh the just the way he handles himself and he handles uh the the public defense uh i think that is really good and, and i'm glad that he comes out to australia know the the bigger the bus in in australia for 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 recycling is the better it is for for me and for all of us i guess so uh, i'm very happy to see that he's back
1: yeah and you <laughs> uh well I, I
3: i will definitely be there again i uh i will i think i'll be there every year from now on uh, as long as i can uh, I really love that race. It's uh, it's a great race, and um, I, I will definitely also be doing uh, the Cadell Evans uh, Road Race after. And I really and- hope
2: that you might be doing the J.K. Herald Sun Tour too. I'd love to see <laughs> Trek Segafredo turn up uh, and uh, and show their colours around uh, the country of Victoria and through into hopefully Melbourne.
3: Uh, yeah I would love to be at uh, what I can say my it's my home race I think so uh, I I'm I'm definitely pushing in that direction There
1: you go the word is out It's been brilliant to have you uh, in the show I know you're just uh, going to go for another ride uh, get training for that Melbourne to Warrnambool uh, Kort, Thank you so much to have just come to uh, the program today
3: Yeah you're welcome uh, had a great time Thank you Pat uh, we'll see you next time Well <laughs> it's a,
2: it's the best podcast where we can lure in uh, potentially the Melbourne Warrnambool winner
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is it for this cycling central podcast. The Zwift Cycling Central podcast for this week. Uh, remember that you can download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cycling central from our website, sbs.com.au slash cycling central, or schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. The event this week is, of course, you can follow, as I said, during this podcast, the tour of Turkey that is available on the SBS On Demand or our website. This is it for today. All is left to say is goodbye for now. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now.